What's up, guys? Welcome to the Write Your Next Chapter podcast. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode. And for those of you that are new or joining us for the first time, uh, this podcast is part of a larger community of resources dedicated to helping you live an inspired life. I'm your host, Vic. Uh, Co-host Chelsea is going to be joining us in just a moment for today's interview. And we have an awesome guest lined up for you today. His name is Morten Bondi, and he's joining us all the way from Denmark. And he is a senior art director for the Lego Group. Uh, but he wrote a book. It's called Sentence to Blindness, Now What? A Journey from Hopelessness Street to Possibility Road. And today he's going to be sharing with us his struggle with a uh, health diagnosis as he started to uh, lose his eyesight. And what I love about it is he talks about looking at possibilities rather than limitation. So we're going to get him on um, and he's going to share that story with us. So we're really excited. If you're listening to this via audio, be sure to head over to YouTube afterwards. We have the entire Zoom interview uh, via video. And so you get to see him person to person, face to face right there. Chapter podcast. This is how to live inspired. Let's go, my friends. We're so excited you could join us again. I think back to when the idea of Write Your Next Chapter first entered my head. I wanted to bring color and vibrancy into other people's lives. When we teamed up to create this podcast, we knew we could bring together heartfelt stories, motivational talks, and so much intention to inspire others joining us on this journey. Yep, we just wanted to give you a small glimpse into living your best life or just that nudge you needed to start thinking about your next chapter. Now, let's get on to today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. Well, so. um, yeah, and my, my name is Morten, and um, yeah, I, I uh, work for the Lego Group. And uh, I'm a senior art director, so I am, for many years I've been writing stories about, uh, um, for instance, uh, the Lego City, the, the heroes of Lego City. And, and um, in 2002, I, I had just started working in the, in the commercial uh, advertising industry. And um, I noticed there were some issues when I was um, watching or seeing and, and no one could really tell what was, what was going on. So... I was sent to an ophthalmologist and specialist in Copenhagen. I live in Denmark, and um, and after he examined me for for half a day, he he quietly told me that I have this uh, genetic disorder called retinitis pigmentosa, which um, will slowly make me go blind, and there is no cure for this uh, disease. So I was uh, I was 29 at that point, and I just 
started my life and my wife and I had plans for settling and having kids and all that. So this was obviously quite a shock in, um, in early stages of, of uh, yeah, all the, all the plans and ideas I had for my career and life. But I kind of, I kind of decided just to ignore it. It was, uh, it was maybe not a conscious decision, but I, I simply just couldn't, couldn't accept that I would have to deal with this uh, at, at uh, some point. So I just, I just decided to ignore it. And, um, but my you know, wife and I, we got, we got two lovely sons and um, I continued working in the advertising industry uh, for 14, 15 years without really acknowledging or accepting or facing, dealing with that uh, I had this decision, uh, this, um, this condition. And um, I slowly lost more and more sight. And um, in 16, when, um, when I couldn't continue working uh, any, any longer as, uh, as I used to do, because I was uh, using my eyes, obviously, uh, a lot when I'm a senior art director working, <laughs> creating content, visual content. And, uh, and uh, I was, um, at, at that point, I was um, declared legally blind and um, what, the, what, what that means in my case is that I have a, I have a central vision that is pretty good, but, but I can only see through a, a small tunnel that equals, um, you know, um, I have a little, uh, I think I have something that can show if I could see, but you know, if, you, if, you stretch, if you stretch your arm in front of you, and, uh, and make a fist, that's a good way. So if you, if you do like this and then look at this fist, that, that's almost the visual field of approximately 10 degrees. So, so imagine that you can only see through a, a small tunnel and that's, uh, that's the vision I have today. And then I have a little bit of, you know, I have a peripheral vision out there, but, but in here I have a, a huge area which just, with just flickering bright lights. So, that's that's the condition today I uh, I'm at, and um, I um, in sixteen I, I you know I, I suffered from stress and depression I couldn't continue working any longer, and I had this um, through through all the years I, I basically um, I, um, just slowly lost vision and and something else that I was struggling with and dealing with was was this internal voice that constantly kept telling me how dark my life would become and how difficult things would be. So I had this inner negative voice constantly um, bringing me down, you know, talking really rough language, not, 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 you know, not an audio, but, you know, thoughts uh, about, uh, you know, all the, the difficult things and all the problems I was, uh, I was facing. And um, in, in 16, I had this um, moment. I remember I was sitting at the municipality office and uh, at that point I was simply not able to do anything any longer. And um, I remember having this moment when, um, when I was sitting around uh, you know, uh, municipal people and we were talking about how, how I was supposed to continue my working life, maybe even retirement plans and and I had this moment, all of a sudden I felt that, you know, everything just was lost. I had no, I, you know, my identity was so bound in being 
the person I was, you know, I could drive my sons around until 16. I was actually driving around and uh, I, I was this person working for the Lego group and, you know, everything was just, you know, that was me. And all of a sudden I just felt that all that just, just died in that room. And, um, and, uh, and I felt that, that all these identities thoughts just died in one big collapse. And, and then I heard this new voice in my head and, it, and, and that voice was so strong and it said, Morden, what do you want out of life? So until that point, I had sort of let blindness dictate my life and I was uh, sort of a victim to that condition. And I had this moment where I saw so clear that I had to do something. So, so I started uh, researching and looking into how can you change your mindset and how can you change your perspective on things that you can't really change but how can you sort of look at your problem from a different perspective and that was when I I started um, the idea about writing a book and that book would be the, the title was Sentence to Blindness Now What? A Journey from Hopelessness Street to Possibility Road and the the, the fun thing was that I just, just decided that I wanted to change the way that I was thinking. And I wanted to be a, per be a person who can see possibilities instead of limitations. So that book was kind of a project to keep me on the path of you know, changing the way that I was looking or dealing with problems. So I, I, the book is, um, is, is also telling about four challenges, challenges that I gave myself that I had to complete through uh, four months that would help me change that mindset. You know. Um, change the way that I automatically reacted on problems instead of just seeing everything as you know bad things and you know instantaneously labeling something as bad I had to to train myself in creating a pause between when I was labeling something and when I was you know identifying something out there I shouldn't label it I should stop and feel what, what was going on in my body and then make make a decision not to label it as bad but look at it from another perspective and that became sort of a, a practice uh, and, and, you know, and you can almost say it's, it, it's a mindfulness um, behavior trick. You, instead of reacting uh, um, on everything that happens, you just create a, a space within yourself before you just um, label something. And, um, and, and uh, the, the book became sort of this, this um, testimonial on being the old kind, uh, old, the old version of myself, and becoming this new version of myself. Okay, so my question for you: so you had this like negative self-talk going on in your head for a lot of years, right? And I think it's yeah. really common for a lot of us to kind of ignore our problems because if we don't think about them, then they don't exist. Um, so what what made that click happen in your head with that defining moment in sixteen when you were just like? I'm done with this and like that new positive self-talk happen was there like a specific yeah it was yeah i think it was it was the um, the experience of something something dying inside of me i felt that it was it couldn't get worse you know i was this was simply just the most horrible moment of my life i felt that you know i couldn't i couldn't do anything i was kind of I was hitting a wall there. There was no way that I would, you know, come up again. And 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 when I just when I when I experienced that, I felt that you know I was just so light. You know, it was like 
yeah, finally, after so many years, I could just breathe. I could, just, and I felt that, oh my God, if if you know, if I can feel almost like I'm dying now, and I'm still breathing, and I feel good, and I just, uh, I just had this knowledge, this knowing that I can, dis- I can create whatever avatar that, or whatever person that I want to become. It's, it, the person is not me. The thoughts are not me. I'm something that decides what my thoughts is going to be and my person personality is going to be. So I don't know how that came and what it was, but it was just just so clear. But I had no idea how to do it. And then I had to go into a, a, a very... Um, you know, uh, I was uh, I was studying uh, almost for a year. I, I was just you know I, I think maybe I I was consuming around eighty books uh, within a, a very short amount of time on the the science behind how you can how why are we the people we are you know wh- why do we do the things we do where do all our programs and patterns come from and how can you change them. So that was um, that was an intense uh, research uh, process, and, and and everything sort of ended up being put into this book that is sort of a guide or a you know a, um, a root description to how people can actually go about this themselves. It's it's quite it's quite uh, tangible examples that I give in the book on what you can change in your everyday life to to change the way you think actually. Yeah, I can't wait to see what the recipe is in the book. Um, but I wanna to touch on something you, you said a little bit earlier. Uh, well, first off, I think that you're channeling maybe some of that storyteller that you were when you were working at the Lego group. But for me, I can't, I can't wait till I get to tell my nephews who, who they always come over. And when they would come over, they would play a Nintendo Switch and they would play the Lego games. And so I'm gonna be like, you know who, who helped create some of those storylines probably? Um, so they're gonna be excited to know that too. But Um, You talked about uh, self-identity, and I I think that's a powerful topic to talk about um, because we live our day-to-day life. We get so ingrained in in the activities that we do on a daily basis. They become mundane for some people, but that becomes our identity, right? Uh, Where we work, what we do on a daily basis, who we hang out with, um, that becomes our identity. And you talked about losing that identity for a split second uh, as you had your diagnosis and uh, you were realizing like, what's, what's going to happen? My career is now going to be gone. Um, I have to figure out what the next you know, chapter of my life looks like. Um, what would be your best advice for someone else who's, who's going through, whether it's a medical issue, whether it's you know, just that huge life change, whether it's like a divorce or something else, where all of a sudden their identity is completely shattered. Uh, what would be your best advice in terms of giving them to, to make it through that transition. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, for me, what was really a, a pivotal moment or, or what I, what I, what helped me go through this transformation for me was actually uh, the mindfulness practice, you know, implementing that in my everyday life and in, in whatever I did made me realize that, that I had a lot of programs that were running automatically that weren't really helping me in any way. Now I was dealing with with stress and depression and uh, impending blindness, and I also had this enemy inside my head that were kind of not helping me in, in any way. So, so I would say, in, uh, for people who st- are stressed out and you know everything is just overwhelming, and I can't you know, you can't really see 
the path in front of you is 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 to try to be rooted in the present moment. It sounds so it's just a, such a cliche, but you know it is a cliche because it it's you know it's it's ancient and it's uh it it is um it is it's a really powerful and an important skill to uh, to master. So I would say, you know, sometimes we think we can think our way out of problems. It's, uh, you know, we think and we think and we think, and, you know, if I, if I just concentrate even more and think and think, I will, I will you know, I will solve this. But, but a lot of things can actually not be solved by thinking and by acting. Sometimes we just have to get, you know, super still and noticing what is going on, maybe all, even backing back backwards from the thinking process that we are in and then stop again realizing you know i'm here i'm right now i think that's what happened for me in the municipality office i just simply just existed right there in that moment and and the only thing that was real was me sitting there and i maybe never felt that present in in the moment as i did right there and that's when i had this oh my god you know i'm just i'm just in chaos and i have to figure out how to to be still or be be um you know, in touch with a deeper part of myself to be able to see where I want to go in my life. And so we, we have to create that moment of stillness. No, I, I love that. I don't think any of that is um, silly. Vic and I um, on the podcast and then outside of this in our personal lives have talked a lot about um, personal purpose work and how important that is. And part of my personal purpose is to be present because I have a million things. Yeah, like I like how you were talking about them as programs kind of running at one time. And so I think that's all very valuable information. And I needed you in my life like three years ago to speed this process along. <laughs> Giving me that advice a long time ago, I would be in a much better place already. But I think that's super valuable feedback for anybody, um, especially given our social climate right now. Just be present is so important. Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, it's really sometimes difficult to do that and i think what i try to 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 convey in the book is that you know instead of having this idea that i'm gonna change my life i'm gonna change all my habits and and everything is gonna change i think what i show in the book is that i took everyday things like you know waiting waiting for the bus for instance you know i'm waiting for the bus it's pouring pouring rain my inner voice starts saying, oh, shitty rain and shitty eyes and, you know, oh, I hate this situation. And noticing that is, is, is just the first uh, step in changing the whole life is that if you notice that moment where you are complaining or where you are feeling something or thinking something that doesn't help you, that's where you have the chance to change this moment or accept this moment. And then you can start looking, okay, uh, how can I create my next moment if I have to accept this moment I'm in right now. And I think we, we rarely do that because we always 10 steps ahead. We always, you know, somewhere else in our minds, we, 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 we rarely realize that we right now can change how we, you know, react on things and, and, and also what, how we impact people and, uh, or influence people. And so, so I, I, I recommend finding small things in life and then look at them and and the, and notice that it's the small things that create your 
in a mood because it's uh, it's silly small things often that that we are getting angry about or frustrated about or so so there are a lot of uh, there there's a lot of acceptance in this moment right now that can actually change the whole life but it's 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 almost too simple for people and then again it's so difficult yeah so I want to touch on another um, topic here and and you you talked about at the beginning of the book here I think the very first page but um, and it's it's a topic that <clears throat> we talk about a lot here on Write Your Next Chapter, which is embracing your personal story. And for you, you had to come to a point where it was like, how do, how and when do I share my story? And I think uh, on literally the first page, you talk about approaching the um, the publishers, and the publishers were not too thrilled, right? Because you didn't share enough of your story, or you shared too much of your story. Um, can you walk us through kind of what your mindset was and and regards to that moment where you were like, hey, I'm ready to share my story and how much of my story do I wanna share? Because uh, I think it's important for people to realize that once you put yourself out there, once you do things like this, where you're sharing your story publicly, uh, something unlocks in your life and you start to realize that, hey, that's that's not exactly what defines me. It's, it's who I was, it's who I've become, but it doesn't fully define me. Uh, but I wanna touch on that really quick about you sharing your story yeah, I think I think I maybe realized that there there is a story that I had to tell about myself because I came across for many people as a person who just you know had figured everything out. I was you know uh, I I was in control. I was a senior art director character who you know had his career all figured out and everything, and and I had this I had all this inner struggle and I didn't really share that with anyone. So. It was it was partly about about of course uh, journaling the process, but I also realized if I if I have to get free of this monster inside of myself, I have to expose it. You know, openly. You know, here it is. You know, it was almost like this uh, shadow coming out of me, and I had to show everyone here it is. And you know, the, the more I showed it, the less um, uh, you know um, power it had over me because I was just you know exposing it all the time. And and I think that's again. Uh, you know, sh shedding light on things that you don't want to share with anyone makes it go away in a, in a way. The more you look at it and expose it, the more it just it vanishes. So, so I said, you know, I can't have many secrets. Of course, <laughs> I haven't, you know, I could have uh, tell, told many more stories than I do in the book, but I, I selected some of, some of, some very pivotal uh, points in my career, maybe that can, that can feel relatable because they are really, they are really everyday scenarios where I just put my eye condition into the equations, and, and but it could be the, it could be different things. It could be uh, your own life story where you can look back and say maybe I didn't handle things really, you know, um, uh, constructively, or maybe there, uh, there was things I could do different. So so I just said you know for the first part of the book has to be about my life, and I'm gonna share with people all the you know the insecurity and, and and all the things that i know you know so many people they 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 have something that you know is going on they maybe show or share that they have a, a huge confidence but that we all have something and i just said no i'm gonna tell everyone that i was very insecure and i had uh, had um self-confidence issues even though i was this person who was presenting campaigns and doing all that 
to just make it, you know, it's okay. You know, when you when you share that and get vulnerable, you also touch people's hearts and and make them make feel, them feel connected. connected. So, so I just wanted to share that. And then then the second part of the book is okay. I, I said, no. How can you how can you get yourself from being this kind of person that always sees, you know, half half full glass and to become a person who can actually you know you know see possibilities in almost anything and that's the second part of the book and there's a lot about you know mindfulness meditation and also a little bit about neurochemistry and stuff like that but it's 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 on a very layman's uh, level because i'm not a neuroscientist or psychologist or anything it's just stuff that i read and i said you know this is how I understand this, and I'm gonna share it with you, and you can believe it or you can doubt or you can go check it yourself. And then the second part, of, uh, the third part of the book, I say, okay, now we know all this, and um, we want to change. How can we implement it into our life? So the, the third part is about implementing that knowledge into the into um, into your everyday life. So so uh, so the book, you know, I was. I was really, really nervous when I was publishing it in uh, Denmark back in uh, 19 because uh, I, maybe I really didn't have, maybe hadn't really thought it through because when I published it and one week after, I just, I just realized, oh my God, I, I, I published a book, a very personal book about, you know, intimate things about myself and I didn't really think it through. <laughs> I felt, and I almost regretted that I did it, but I had to just get past maybe two or three weeks of, oh my God, anxiety and all that. And then I kind of relaxed because people actually came back to me and said, you know, thank you very much for writing this book. It had a deep impact on me. And I started, oh, there are at least two people now who, who likes the books and that kind of <laughs> helped me. And um, and then I decided just to, you know, also make it available in, in English and uh, publish it in the rest of the world. And everything has been self-publishing project which is uh, quite a a task I must I must say when I look back I was gonna say I think Vic can share some of that sentiment with you with his first project when he released it there's probably some anxiety there and knowing the struggle of self-publishing <laughs> yeah but we're beyond grateful that you uh decided to translate it to English and get it out to to the rest of the world because I mean uh, I picked up the book I, I'm just at the beginning of it but I'm excited to continue to go through it, um, mainly because I want to get to that point where it's, you talk about limiting beliefs. I mean, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a certified life coach, and that's, that's stuff that, uh, you know, I've been taught as well as stuff that I, I teach. Um, but limiting beliefs are, they're in everyone's life, and people don't realize that. Um, and so I know that I think you get into it around part three, where you talk about limiting beliefs. But I want to hear from you, kind of like, what are some of those things that, that you got to experience? I know that we're still in COVID world. I know that you, uh, you know, you would probably love to be doing a book tour and we're grateful that you're on a podcast with us right now because of COVID restrictions. Um, but those limiting beliefs go back to like, you were at a point where you were like, I'm losing my eyesight. I'm not gonna be able to see things the way that I did prior. I'm not gonna be able to do things that maybe I thought I was able to do. So what are some of the things that uh, once you got past those limiting beliefs, you, you got to experience, if anything? I don't know if you've kind of ventured out and did some, some extreme stuff or... Uh... Yeah, you know, I, I just 
looking back now, I I must say that this will be an an a lifelong um, endeavor to overcome limiting beliefs because they're they will always surface in one form or another, and uh, the the things that it's it's kind of paradoxical. But one of the things was to speak in front of people. In you know, being a public speaker was probably the the last thing that I mentioned that I would be uh, before 16 because I was always experiencing near-death <laughs> experience when I had to, to, uh, to talk to an assembly and uh, it just um, scared the shit out of me. And uh, well, that was one of the things, but that was really limiting me in my career. So I was so sick and tired of it, but I was always, I was always fighting it. So every time I felt that I had to do something, I had this inner voice saying, oh, you, you're, such a, you're, such, you're so weak and why can't you be like this guy? And he's doing it so greatly. And, and, and when that voice was yelling in, in my head, I, you know, the body just freaked out every time. So, so uh, that was one of the things that I decided to, um, to sort of, um, you know, uh, you know uh, overcome, you can say, uh, in this project. So how can I how can I teach my body to feel, you know, joy when standing in front of 300, 400 people and just, you know, enjoy it instead of being uh, scared about it. So, so that was one thing. And another thing was uh, to develop a habit that stopped myself from telling myself that when I was in a, in a, in a, in a problem, in a, in a, in a situation that was challenging because I'm visually impaired and can't see, then I again had a voice trying to, you know, solve the problem by not yelling at me and saying, oh, you just have to do something, go ahead. And just to notice that, that was the next step in, in, in my life, noticing that I had a bad coach yelling in my head and then change that voice into, ah, oh, you, you're actually doing well, you know, you know, imagine, that you are doing all this with this limited vision. It's, it's, it's amazing, you are amazing. And, and, it, and it works every time I do it, like I get you know, my hairs <laughs> on my arms, they, are, they stand right now. So I can, I can create that feeling on command now that has this, this empowerment. And uh, I think that was also one of the, the things that I wanted to change about myself, almost on command, create a feeling of wow, I can do it, you know, there's nothing that can stop me. And, um, and that's, um, th that, th you cannot do that through uh, habituation. You have to do it again and again and again and again and expose yourself to what it is that makes you scared. And I think a lot of people, they, they step back from doing that. But I was, under the, I was ready because, you know, I was going blind, I'm going blind. I could live my life in sorrow and uh, sadness, or I could, you know, turn around and see the light and just, you know, play and be joyful and just, you know, it, it, the whole world is, is just a, it's just a game. I, I kind of see it like that. You know, I'll take all the seriousness out of everything and just be playful and, uh, and enjoy. Uh, there were a couple things that you said that I really loved because I think that the way you put it that like you have a bad coach in your head is a way that's very easy to understand. Almost everyone has played some kind of team sport before and we know how important like that coach, especially at halftime is a make it or break it. If you're down by three in whatever sport you're playing and your coach amps you up, you're gonna rally or vice versa. And so 
I feel like you've put it in layman's terms that um, we can all respond to in a little way. We're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Like my own brain is a bad coach and I need to kind of like turn that around. But um, I think the way that like when you are now having your vision limited, it seems like you see the world even greater. Like there's like a fun dichotomy there where um, while you might be becoming more visually impaired you're seeing more about yourself and the world and kind of enjoying it more um but I think you have found a lot of value in that and um I think that's wonderful that you're able to share that with other people and so that hopefully it doesn't take a life-changing event for other people to change their life and enjoy it more and that you have fun with it so um, in terms of uh, family support I mean uh, I'm assuming you had some amazing family support but uh, has this made, has your mindset shift made an impact on your kids or are they too young? Um, but I'm assuming no. that you've made an impact there. Yeah, I think, I think I have, you know, people often ask me, you know, I'm a meditator and I, uh, you know, and they say, oh, so the whole family, you meditate and I'm, actually the, I'm the only one doing that. So I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm, I'm really conf, uh, conscious about not preaching. So telling people what they have to do and, you know, if you just do this and you, you, you're fixed, I'm not, I'm, I'm never doing that. And my, my sons are 15 and 17. So they're teenagers and they sometimes, they, when I get into it and they say, oh, dad, please, you know, stop this hippie stuff. You know, like they, they, they don't want to hear about it in, when I say that well, you should meditate when they, when they're stressed out and they, they don't want to do that, but I'm sure that they see my example and no, it's not what I say to them that it's what they see that I do. So I th- I'm sure that they learn valuable lessons from my actions and not from my work, from my words. And, uh, and I think, um, I think it, it, it has and will impact them in a way. They'll see how that, that you know, challenges um, blindness in life. You know, if he can somehow, you know, overcome that, well, I can overcome the things that I'm, you know, dealing with. And, and that's also, that's also what I, that's the motivation behind what I'm doing. I want to show that to people. It makes sense for me to turn my shitty eye situation into something that gives value to people and to myself. And, and every time I see that spark in, in someone's eye, because I say something that encourages them to go and change something in their life, I was I feel- destined to, to tell the story. So people will be inspired. And so, and, and that's sort of a choice you have, right? You know, I am the copywriter and the director of my life and my story, and I can make that story. I can convince myself of that story. And it makes me feel better and it makes everything feel that, that, that there's a purpose behind this and uh, to have to accept it and, you know, do the best I can with it. And uh, that's, um, that's my inspiration and motivation for, for doing this. Yeah. I definitely think people have to find their own path. Uh, they come across meditation, they come across mindfulness, personal development, when it's right in their life. Uh, and I believe it's true with you know, spirituality or religion for some people, all of a sudden, uh, something happens in their life where they, they, they turn to religion and spirituality because they need that in their life. And so I think uh, you bring up a really valid point that, you know, your family has been supportive along the way, but this is not their path. A hundred percent. Um, they'll come to whatever path they're led down. I was supposed supposed to, to give this TEDx speak in April last year 
it was just in March, everything was locked down here in Denmark. So it was, uh, it was moved to 23rd of January, but because of the COVID situation, it was pushed again. So when I published the book, it was uh, the plan that I was going to give that talk in April, but then everything was pushed. So so I haven't done it yet. So (laughs) I have been, um, I have been ready to do it. And then it was canceled. And then I was, you know, I was working really hard uh, during the Christmas. It, it's it's something. It's really something special to give a TEDx because it's such it's such a focused fifteen minutes. You have really have to be totally hundred percent focused there and and um, know what you want to say and be really really clear in that message you want to convey. So I was really I was really, really, really uh, practicing and concentrating. And then I got a mail that oh sorry we have to. To uh, <laughs> to push it again, so so, but um, it has been ki- quite uh, uh, different from. You no, know, I've been, been giving a lot of talks over the last two three years, but every time I was giving a talk, it was me just telling my story, you know, and it I did it differently every time, and sometimes I was I was. Um, you know, emphasizing this part of my journey and, and other times I did something completely else and I never knew what I was going to say. I just had people in front of me and I had had a, a sort of a presentation, but it but it was just to help me. And, and this time it was really, you know, I have to sort of say these words in order for me to tell this story right in 15 minutes. So it, that was a different thing because I had to start remember instead of just being there in the moment and just, open my mouth and talk which I can do for hours and hours but here was um, yeah I have to memorize stuff and I just realized my brain hadn't memorized anything for like 20 years since I I went to school so it was really tough for my brain to sort of being that memorying memory mode so I was uh, was so exhausted from from trying to memorize uh, words and uh, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward I, I think I'm I'm gonna. For me, it's just a a, a great experiment. That just the, the the way I was accepted was also kind of a a, a, a an, an intention I set sixty six months prior to my acceptance as a TEDx speaker. I I made a plan in my mind. I said, you know, I want to be on that stage, and it's gonna be within a year. And then I started. Just meditating on that every day. I made a I made some some self um, um, what do you call it? guided meditation for myself with my own voice, telling me how this is going to feel. And I was you know experiencing it every day. Uh, and I, I even made this this uh, little image of me being on the TEDx stage in uh, Denmark, uh, Odense, with my uh, my presentation in the background. And I looked at that every day. And at, at, a, at a point, I was just convinced that it had happened. And I was doing all the things right for me to get noticed by the TEDx team. And uh, and one day I was just, uh, I got a mail that said, hey, do you want to be on the TEDx team? And I was kind of uh, amazed about it. it really worked. <laughs> I was projecting it, I was visualizing it. And I kept telling myself it has happened, and then one day it just happened. Uh, I I think it was uh, I was just I was just you know 
in shock when I was accepted and said, oh, I, it really worked. And um, I tried to do that with many things. Now, and there's something I, I think I'm, you know, I see it as, a, as something I want to do. I, I, I start visualizing it really, really intensely in my, my mind and often, you know, on uh, suspect or, you know, uh, what do you say, um, you know, things just happened out of the blue sky where I just say, oh, that's amazing. And I'm just going to say yes to it because I feel that will take me to where I'm going to, where I want to, to be. So again, allowing the moment to dictate what the next moment will be is, uh, yeah. Yeah, I love the visualization. Vic and I have talked a lot about um, how he asks us to write our experience list and not just write the things that we want to do, but what we think it's going to feel like or um, what the weather is going to be that day or if you're eating something, what it's going to taste like um, and kind of like always cultivating that in your head. Um, and so I love that you were had like your vision board and you're looking at it and thinking about it and feeling what you think it's going to feel. So I can only imagine how exciting when you finally get to get up there and do it and all this good stuff. Um, hopefully that expectation exceeds what you've perceived it's going to be. So very exciting. Yeah, some good power of positive thinking, putting law of attraction into place. Uh, this was super fun for me. I feel like I am ready to go tackle my day. My cup feels super full. Just listening to you talk is really inspiring. And um, I love that like most of your talk was like, hey, this is what happened to me for like 10%. And then like, now let's talk about all the really good stuff, right? So I love that you just don't focus on what's limiting you and just like unlocking potential with everything you're doing. It's like, what else? What else am I, can I do? What else is possible? And so, um, yeah, I'm just in a really positive mindset now. I love this. This was um, really, really exciting for me. So hopefully everyone that's listening or watching, um, loves it too because I feel very inspired for the rest of my day now so thank you 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 did a good job <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you yeah you definitely touched on it, Chelsea I mean uh I know when when I came across Morton and we met um that I, I was reading quickly about his story and I was like I, I love the fact that he has a great story and we talk about it all the time that everyone has a story it's it's what part of that do they want to share but uh what I fell in love with was the fact that you were like this is everything else that I want to experience or that I'm going to experience and that I'm writing a book about it. And it was so positive that I was like, let's get him on here. We want to hear his, his journey. Um, but I, I really want to stress to everyone else, uh, be sure to pick up a, a copy of his book uh, right here. Um, for those in the United States, it's available on Amazon. Uh, I will post a link to uh, Morton's website on our show notes as well as on the podcast, um, as well as on our website. So it'll be available and we'll continue to, uh, to share our thoughts as we get through the book um, because we just opened it and we're excited to kind of go through and hear so much more about you. Um, and then when you're ready and you have more things to talk about, we'll bring you back onto the podcast for another episode down the road uh, because we're gonna keep in touch with you. You're now officially a friend of ours. So, <laughs> we oh, got friends wonderful. all over the world now oh i love that i love i love it that's that's the great thing about you know that, that was the, that's actually one of the best things about putting out the book i have met so many people wonderful people that uh, has have inspired me but also friends that i never expected to find anywhere and um i think that's the wonderful thing about the covid19 th situation that we get in touch with people we would 
never ever get in touch with because we have all these great tools that that can connect us with it's amazing we are we're talking you know no live right now with each other and i'm in denmark there are thousands thousands of miles uh, of of uh, space between us and it's just uh, it's just amazing and uh, I just want to say also that the book is also available on Audible as a as an audiobook, and I narrated the book myself. And the the the, the difference there is actually that you know I tell the story with with um, sort of a, a put in voices, and uh, there are some effects. Uh, I have there are some characters in the book called the Letterman, and they are kind of a, a mystery. Who are they, and what are they doing in there? And they have different sort of characters and. Um, characteristics and so so the 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 audio version is sort of spiced a little bit with with some some effects and uh, also very fun to listen to yeah we get the personality there i know i'm i enjoy uh like books on tape when i'm in the car i'm not a big fan of driving i don't love traffic um so yeah that's when i can really enjoy that so maybe i will do it on audible because that will give me exciting to listen to in the car. I love that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I only listen to books. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very similar. I mean, there's books I will pick up uh, and then there's books that I like to pop in the earbuds and just listen to because I get to engage with, with the author, especially when the author is the one who's actually uh, reading the book on, on audibles. Uh, then it's even more fun because you get that personality behind it. And I think, I think once people meet you via this video, chat and uh, for those listening we're gonna have video clips uh, on YouTube as well as on our IGTV but I think once they, they see you and they get to really engage with your personality they're gonna fall in love with you and they're gonna want to pick up the audiobook as well so uh, the book again is is called Sentence to Blindness Now What uh, let's see right there uh, so be sure to pick up a copy uh, Martin will totally appreciate your guys' support and um, yeah we can't wait to have you back for another episode I would love to. It was so uh, so great to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much for honoring yes. You were really, I was excited all week looking forward to this. <laughs> great. Awesome. Well, have an amazing I evening. I know it's getting late in Denmark. Uh, we Bye. will see you soon. Thanks. Yeah. Great to connect. Have a great day. Bye-bye.